Ah, refreshing bourbon on a nice hot September day. Yeah, September. Which which reminds me, Sammy, you uh, you remind me a lot of a young Billy Joe Armstrong. Okay, and why is that? Because you take a break for distilled spirits, and I, sir, need a break as well. Let's start the show. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, that. That one I understand. Hello and welcome to the Drunkard United Football Show, a completely biased recap of the English Premier League, as told by two common American schmucks. I am your host, Sam Houston, and across from me is the epicurious Samuel Graham. How are you doing, Sammy? Uh, Not too bad. How are you doing? Uh, I kind of like football this week. Yeah, I could I could see that <laughs> really, response coming. Really, really wasn't much to be happy about, yeah, was there? it was a dismal, dismal day. We are recording at Studio H just outside our nation's capital. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts and Google Play if you're a weird Android user. And now, Spotify. There, Sam. I spelled it right on the show sheet, too. <laughs> Good. So, um, if you get a chance... Uh, Subscribe, rate us, and if you have a few moments, please uh, give us a review as well. It would really mean a lot. Now, if you have a question or a comment or anything else, Sammy, tell the good people how they can get in touch with us. Sure. We're at DU Football Show on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, And then we're DUFootballShow at gmail.com to get in touch with a question via email. Excellent. So, uh, And uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more at the end of the show, but this next week's podcast, um, definitely, if you have... Any questions, this next pod is definitely going to be the one to ask questions. Yeah, for. it's the time to get involved. Um, if you're a casual fan, it's the time to listen in and, and really try to pick a club and figure out who you support. And and also, I mean, honestly, ask ask the question you're ashamed to ask. We're not going to judge you for it, so it'll be fun. Yeah, not at all. And don't be afraid to give us stick either. I mean, we're more than happy to take it. We're more than happy to give it back. But all in all, we're all here to have some fun and learn some more about football. And more importantly, we're here to drink whiskey because uh, Sam and myself both work in the wine and spirits industry. We both have a deep, passionate love for distilled spirits. So, as the red-blooded Americans that we are, we have vowed to have a drink in our hand every single show through its entirety. Samuel Graham, what are we drinking tonight? So today we've got a six-year-old bourbon from Tennessee called Bibb and Tucker. Um, got scents of chestnut and leather with flavors of warm vanilla and toffee. Retails for about 55 to 59.99 in that sort of range. Um, and actually, fun fact, the term Bibb and Tucker was used to describe your finest attire uh, in the early days of the United States, back in the rough and tumble early goings. Um, so it's a fine bourbon for a fine summer's day. Uh, it's Some fall, good. summer, yeah. fall, uh, whatever this is. It's DC. Call it whatever you want. <laughs> wait, wait five minutes. It'll change. Yeah. So, uh, good show to you, brother. Hey, you as well. All right. So let's jump into the action. Sam. I told you, Watford are the kings of the first five games of the Premier League every single season. Ladies and gentlemen, got our first kind of really impressive upset. I think the Brighton over Man U one was a little bit more of a shocking upset. This was flat out. Watford came to play and won two to one over Tottenham. Yeah, it was odd team selection from Pochettino, um, not playing Eric Dyer or Victor Wanyama. Wanyama, I don't think is fully fit, but... Watford doesn't play with a number 10. Their two creative presences really play on the wings um, in Etienne Capu and Pereira. So for them to not try to boss the midfield a little bit better, Tottenham, was a a bit of a surprise because there was space to be had. That being said, Watford got their team selection absolutely spot on. 
Um, they were very hard to break down, broke up play in the middle of the field, and stopped Tottenham from playing some of the football they like to play. I tell you, I think you look at a game like this and you go, okay, well, Tottenham's going to win this. You know, they're, they're, they're going to get the I, I did do that. And, and, yeah, I know. If you remember my predictions well, from last week. Well, hey, <laughs> full disclosure, I did get it wrong. I said it was going to be a tie. I'm just giving myself credit for the fact that they got points in the first five games. Like I said, they would. So yeah, I'm, I'm not even giving myself a half a point, even though I should. <laughs> I should for calling it. Um, but this one of those games, like I said, you'd think Tottenham's got it in hand. And they're having a hard time breaking them down. But you're like, ah, that's how a, you know, quote unquote, a lesser side will play a bigger club. They'll kind of pack it in, kind of make them try to force them into a mistake and counterattack them. Well, they finally get the goal and it's and it's an own goal. And, and you're like, all right, well, here you go. Tottenham's got this. And then in a blink of an eye, it was a draw. And then in a blink of an eye after that, Watford was winning. Yeah. And then you're sitting there kind of going, well, I'll, I mean, even myself, I'm like, oh, Tottenham's going to gonna even this out gonna eat this out yeah right. I'm, I, gonna, I thought i'm gonna finally... get the draw i said they're gonna get and the next thing you know the whistle blows and you're like oh wait watford just beat them and beat them pretty well at their own game yeah absolutely they so the way i saw it it started off very cagey intense it was a lot of chippy play no real clear-cut chances for either side um every half chance that both sides had the opposite was equal to it there was you know nothing really doing until that massive stroke of luck where it was a good cutback. I mean, it was the correct ball to play, and DeCorey just got terribly unlucky and wrong-footed the goalkeeper um, and turned into his own net kind of off his hip. It was very odd, but a very big uh, turn of luck for Tottenham that. Um, and then uh, in the second half, Watford really came to play. They turned up the intensity, and, you know, Tottenham kind of was shocked. It was back on their heels a bit, and um, the, the tackle from Cathcart. To win that ball back as Tottenham was about to break. Mm-hmm. Took two players out of the game. Found Hughes. Hughes gets fouled from the resulting free kick. Troy Deeney with a bullet header. It was brilliant. Something, I mean, I know you uh, have your own issues about Deeney, you know, from his remarks about... Uh, about Yeah, but when you do it to Tottenham, he's a hero now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and another fan favorite. I don't know if you saw it, but Elton John almost Lion King both of his kids... <laughs> from the box as he was celebrating uh, in his tiny dancer jacket. It was absolutely brilliant. The only person on the face of this earth loving Tottenham going, uh, going, getting equalized on and then going down. The only person loving it more than me was Elton John himself. Now that's also a very fun part about uh, the premier league is you're going to see very famous people like kind of like the oddball clubs. It's not like every big name musician or big name Hollywood actor like all love Manchester United. No, they love they love the team from the town they came from. Yeah, and, and where, actually Elton John lived. owned a piece of Watford at one point. Uh, I don't know if he still does, um, but at least at one point he did own a piece of Watford Football Club. And there's, especially with the English talent, uh, actors and singers and such, they do find, you know, that club they grew up with before they became famous and they've latched onto them. It's not always the oddball examples you see, like Fulham, for instance, has a statue of Michael Jackson outside of Craven Cottage. <laughs> Why? Because he watched a game there once after Al Fayed, the American uh, businessman that owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. After he bought the club, he invited Michael Jackson over. He watched one game, had a scarf on, 
statue. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, we 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 throw around the uh, pictures of um, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, walking out with the uh, Everton <laughs> scarf because he uh, in in one of his movies, one of his Rocky movies, fights a uh, heavyweight fighter Tony Bellow who is a diehard uh, Everton supporter. but uh, yeah. And then we're going to forget about that time that uh, Justin Bieber might have worn a Everton plane. <laughs> and <laughs> I forgot about that, and I will now never <laughs> let you forget about that, nor our lovely listeners. Oh, They'll be Sammy, reminded of it time and time again. Sammy, please tell me you're not straight catching feelings, Joe. <laughs> oh, I am straight catching feelings about the Biebs. Okay, well, Everton's I will... Everton's got Bieber fever. I, I will say I cannot confirm this, but uh, I have heard rumor mill-wise that... That, um, Bieber, Beaverton. Yeah, but that is that too um, much of a stretch. All, yeah, a little, <laughs> little bad. All, all four uh, members. Uh, obviously, some of them are no longer with us. But Sir Paul, I know for for a fact, is a toffee, and the rest of the Beatles are the toffees. So, I'll take the greatest band in the history of music <laughs> <laughs> supporting the toffees. I can, I can deal with Bieber. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, now, I think we all kind of look at the Premier League and we go, okay, it's the big matchups. That's what decides the league. No, it's... It's these games. It's this game. It's this, it's this it's, stuff against the middle-of-the-road teams um, where you show up and maybe you're just not on that day and, and they surprise you with a 2-1 or something exactly like this. Or you, 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 know, you go to a relegation-threatened team and they're literally fighting for their lives. Um, and they turn up like Swansea did with Liverpool last season. Now Swansea oh. still ended up going down. West Brom uh, and, and West Brom and the FA Liverpool, Cup against Liverpool. And that but then the also Cup, Man- Manchester United. They uh, mm-hmm. beat the week after Manchester United beat Man City to keep them from winning the uh, title, at least holding it off for a week. The very next week, West Brom walks into uh, you know into Old Trafford and, and wins one nothing and beats them. Yeah. yeah. Yep, it's these games that that halt your title challenge uh, straight away. It's it's also ultimately what puts a team like Chelsea in fourth place and a team like Tottenham in fifth place because we're looking at what Chelsea's been doing so far this season. They're beating. I mean, it's not pretty. It's not exciting, but they're winning those games. Yeah, I'm really surprised at how readily they fell into Sar- uh, Maurizio Sarri's system. Yeah, um, that was a bit surprising to me. Uh, considering that his style is a lot different from Conte's, yeah, uh, from last season and the season prior, obviously. Excellent. So, um, you know, for instance, with Arsenal, you see a lot of the issues going on currently. Is and everyone's talking it up, myself included. It's a new system, new players, still learning each other. Blah 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 blah. Chelsea has much the same players. They, you know, are bringing in Jorginho and Kovacic, um, uh, but for the most part, they have the same squad, you know, the, the keepers new as well, but you know, eight out of the 11 players that start are the same team and um, new tactics, new way of playing, going to three in midfield where they were three at the back and five in midfield last year uh, and the year before. So um, it's just, it's surprising to see them adapt so quickly. They are world-class players. They are good, solid, uh, individually talented players. Uh, but to figure that system out so quickly and, and to be winning just routinely like this, just very professional, no BS, here we go, 2-0 uh, no, again. Well, we'll only have to talk about the uh, Chelsea win just a little bit then in the next segment. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just... Oh, it's fine. I, I led you there, so I don't mind yeah. talking about it. Um, Getting back to uh, the, the Watford-Tottenham game, you're, the, the fun part about the Premier League is you're going to see games like this, and it's going to be uh, the Leicesters, the Watfords, the Newcastles, 
the Evertons of the world that are going to have like City come play them at their home park, and they're going to beat them two nothing. I mean, there was a, there was a time uh, two seasons ago. Obviously, last season was just amazing for uh, Man City, but two seasons ago in Pep's first year, Everton beat Man City at Goodison four nil. Yeah. I mean, put a yeah ass whooping on them. Well, and that was again. You can chalk that up. Again, like I said, to a new coach, new philosophy, new way of playing, doesn't maybe fully have the team he wants yet because he can only make certain additions in the mm. summer, wants to see who's here already, that sort of thing. And um, and they had trouble dealing with it at first, but now look at them. They steamrolled the Premier League last year. It hasn't been decided that early since Sir Alex was in the league. Exactly. I mean, it's been five or six years you know, that the, the, uh, the league was decided essentially in March. And uh, we also wouldn't be surprised if it happened again this year. I think Liverpool might have something to say about that. But I think and, they will. And heck, even Chelsea might have something to say about it the way that they're going. Yeah, I don't want to give them credit, though. The rest of the big boys. Well, we're going to save Arsenal for the end because that's your little bitch and moan corner. Yeah, I, I do have. It's moaning Monday. <laughs> I have my moment. I need to. Of course, you won. You're going to cry about it. Um, but the big boys did work. Got wins, kept the train rolling. Liverpool takes on Leicester, wins two to one. Yeah, uh, Liverpool started very brightly. Um, they should have been ahead a lot earlier with Mo Salah. Uh, should have done better with the chance that he had. But again, as I said last week, I don't think he's truly hit full stride yet. I think once you start to see him stretch his legs, maybe in the next month or so, it's going to be a floodgate opened up. Do you think he's still recovering from the injury from the Champions League final? into the, then the World Cup, then into training? Like, do you think perhaps know. he just hasn't gotten enough time to really heal? I don't know, because the way Liverpool play, and Leicester was, gave him a much sterner test than anything they've come up against so far, but he hasn't had to be physical yet, okay. really. He hasn't had to go shoulder to shoulder, which was the injury was to his shoulder. So I haven't seen him shy away from anything. You know what I mean? I haven't seen I haven't seen him affected in that way. So I, I don't know that that injury and to his shoulder. I mean, I don't know if that injury is really going to affect his footballing capabilities because he's not a terribly physical player anyway. OK, so follow up question and then I'll let you get to the goals because I, I know you want to you want to talk about them. But um, follow up question as far as Salah goes. Do you think because he plays for a country, my my stupid producer is doing the shaker <laughs> thing again from uh, the uh, is an Crow, Irishman. Cro-Magnon Irishman <laughs> that did that stupid damn song. Um, but do you think Salah playing for a country, <laughs> being, being Egyptian and a country that isn't necessarily on the world stage regularly, do you think he is feeling the pressure as just, you know, not just as a player for Liverpool, but as a countryman, like going, I need, like, this is an opportunity for Egypt to be looked at. This is for peop- the, my country to be recognized. Whereas, like, if let's say he was a Frenchman, it's like, eh, there's three other guys behind him, you know? Yeah, and that's a lot of that has happened recently with him um, being thrust into that limelight. Uh, and then also, there's there's been an issue in the first couple of weeks of the season between the world cup and the season during preseason where essentially a cell phone provider in Egypt used because they are the Egyptian national team's sponsor used his image for their campaign ads. But he personally is sponsored as an individual by their direct competitor. (laughs) 
So it kind of put him between a rock and a hard place, you know, with and agents involved. And I, I'm not saying that this necessarily has an impact, but if you're stressed elsewhere, it's hard to express yourself on the pitch, you know? True. If your mind is elsewhere, what's going on? And for it could be millions of pounds for him well, that, I, that he may be in breach of contract for. Well, with him, I'm not so much concerned about the, I mean, I, I understand the breach of contract situation. What I'm just saying is the, you know, hey, we all play hurt, but maybe he's still playing, injured. No, I understand. Really I'm just offering hurt, up a possible. Like he needs to. Yeah, I get it. I'm just offering up a possible extra explanation. As I, I very much hate to admit this as a toffee. I actually like Salah. I, he's he's a good player. He plays hard. He he, he plays. Just shut up. Oh. Shut. Stupid my producer's money. shaking again. Oh, I'm just. And uh, Bobby Formino. <laughs> go ahead and do the Cro-Magnon part. But that's all right because we've got. Thanks, Salah. Very much. Oh, all right. So. Oh, money, money. You, you mentioned one of the goals. Uh, uh, the goals uh, for Mino. Finally getting off the mark. Um, that was brilliant. That was the uh, the second goal, though. Um, I do want to point out the play again. And as much as I, I also don't necessarily care for Liverpool, um, being an Arsenal supporter and, you know, those top six really are very contentious against one another. Um, I do want to point out the play of the young Scotsman, uh, Robertson fantastic bombing down the left it's just it is a joy to watch it is a joy to watch uh that that footballer do what he does gives his all for the team and you'd expect nothing less uh you know from a born and bred liverpool player um great work down the left cuts inside plays a pass gets deflected you know unlucky would have found its way to Mane. still did find its way to Mane after the deflection Got a little bit fortunate that after it careened off him, uh, it stayed within touch. He reacted first and was able to bury. Good goal. Little sloppy, but still a good goal. Um, And then, as you said, uh, James Milner, the ever-present, ever-vescent James Milner. (laughs) I hear you. Cannot stop running. Cannot stop. They they were saying about him in preseason. He's still one of the fastest players on the team. He's one of the most fit players on the team. And he's played over 600 times in the Premier League. It's amazing what happens. He also doesn't have an agent. The PFA represents him. The, the Professional Footballers Association really? represents him. I didn't and know that. And all of his agent fees, you know, that the clubs would be paying his agent, go back in to help. After a retired footballer, if he falls on hard times, pays for rehab, pays for psychological issues, pays for surgeries, pays for... It's almost like the insurance after you retire from playing professional football. And that's admirable as well. Agent probably could have got him a better deal somewhere along the line. He's content with what he has. He's content being, you know, a little rich instead of mega rich, but just a consummate professional. And there can't be enough said about him. The game's going to miss him when he's gone. Anyway, puts in a fantastic corner. And Firmino just found that perfect little pocket of space uh, where they backed off just a bit, just peeled off the back of the defender and just a, a magnificent header. And it's good to see Firmino, who does a lot of the hard work, the thankless work, it's good to see him get off the mark this season finally. Uh, what seemed very interesting about that second goal was Leicester 
seemed to grow into the game. Lester was starting to get some attacks on. Lester was really starting to, you know, grow. And right there at the end of the half, it was almost like Liverpool knew, all right, let's put the dagger in their chest right now and found the prime opportunity. Boom, goal, 2 nothing. And, you, you, I mean, Lester, you're walking away going, how are we down to nothing? Yeah. We made two mistakes. We're down to nothing. But that's two what mistakes. happens. When, you know, we talk about ruthlessness and we talk about, you know, these sorts of traits that are intangible. Liverpool has that. That front line has that. Those three players are amazing. They have that ruthlessness, the sharp teeth to dig into you when you're wounded. And that's exactly what happened. So leads me into, actually, we got a question this week. I'm very excited about that. Oi, so oi. Two weeks in a row, we got somebody sending in a question. Uh, two-parter, uh, one of them is nothing to do with the game, but we definitely have to address. But the question <laughs> is from uh, Russ, and the question is, will Allison's antics cost Liverpool a match this year, or did he learn his lesson this week? So... I'm going to start off by saying that I don't know that they're antics, per se. Um, that will be figured out in the next few weeks as he gets put under pressure, especially you know against Spurs, because um, he did one last week and it came off. You know the little flick over mm-hmm. Knockhart, the little chip up. Um, so we'll see. Uh, you know that kind of remains to be seen. If it's a pattern, yes, they're antics and. Probably he won't learn from it because they're ingrained in him until he gets a big, scary German man screaming in his face in the dressing room after a match. I think this one was put your arm around him. It was unfortunate. He obviously should have gotten rid of it. I don't know why any goalkeeper, even Ederson, I don't know why anyone would try a Cruyff turn in the box with no support. But he did, and he lost it, and it was actually patient and well done for Miniacho to wait for support instead of taking a tight angled shot with a defender screaming back um, to pick out his teammate to score. Um, finally, I get to call you out on one. It was Gray who stole the ball from him, not Iniacho. It was Gray who uh, stole damn, the ball might and be passed right. it across. Yes! Son of a I bitch. may be the name assassin, but I finally got to stump Graham. Uh. Big winner. <laughs> yeah, it, I made it easy for you because the guy's name only had four letters in it. Yeah, you know, I could screw that one up too. <laughs> I took the hard name. <laughs> but it's um, Klopp came out right after the game and went, all right, look, was it a boneheaded play? Did you make a mistake? Absolutely. Yeah. It didn't cost us the game. I'm not concerned. Kind of squashing yeah. right away the... Oh my God! A Liverpool goalie made yet another mistake. Yeah, right. So and anybody that's familiar with, you know, German football, for instance, I mean, Manuel Neuer does something dumb like this every six weeks. That I'm comfortable saying are antics. Right, but that's also normally that he gives up a goal in a six to one victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's very true. He gets that confidence after, you know, seventy five minutes of brilliant football and their team being four 0 up. That's accurate. What I'm saying is, is I'm not comfortable establishing that this is a, quote, pattern, that it's antics. I think it's it's a boneheaded play. It's a mistake. If it happens again in the next week or two, three weeks, and then happens one more time, now I'm comfortable calling it a pattern. I'm calling it antics. This guy wants to do this, and he's not good enough to pull it off. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, got That's it. my problem. So I think and Jurgen Klopp is a, an astute manager. I think he will squash this. I don't think it's going to happen again personally. 
you, he is Brazilian, though, so he might get that blood flowing a little bit, and in, you never know what's going to happen. In two weeks when they're playing Tottenham, you're going to see the first five balls that come back to him. He just goes ahead and kicks them along oh, yeah. right away. They're going. <laughs> yeah. They're out. Yep. So, um, I learned my lesson, boss. Promise. Yep. Got it. Now, the, uh, the second follow-up, uh, Russ actually brings up an excellent challenge for us to uh, I'm not maybe happy about this. I saw this, by the way, per- perhaps, came on. Perhaps put a little skin in the game for us. Um, uh, what his recommendation is, is that every time one of our teams lose... Sam is a Arsenal supporter. I am an Everton supporter. But if the teams lose, we have to do a shot of Malort. And he, for those of you who don't understand what Malort is, just Google it. Go on YouTube. What you need to know Google is that, images of the devil. Um, uh, bile. Like, you know, the, the bile in your throat after you throw up? That's the aftertaste of Malort. It is often considered the worst alcohol in the world. And uh, I have the pleasure of representing it very proudly, by the way. And he says we should do it at the beginning of the show. I'm sorry. I like my palate. I want to enjoy the whiskey I'm drinking throughout. But uh, Sammy, I'm okay putting skin in the game, knowing that in all likelihood, I will do more shots of Malort than you will. But I'm willing to do double the the amount of shots of Malort just to watch your face doing a shot of Malort. So at the end of each show, if one of our teams lost, I'm in. Will you do a shot of Malort? I am totally doing a shot of Malort. I'll do a shot of Malort. There you go. Because that'll probably only happen seven times a season, so when two of them are already out of the way. <laughs> and I'll I'll enjoy <laughs> the next five. God, I will love a bit your face. I hate that stuff. Well, especially because like if there's just a little backwash beer, you get uh you get all gaggy. So I can no, only imagine what it'd be like with you this. You know what? It, well, it's not that. It's when the thing turns to foam in my throat. It's not good. That doesn't feel good. <laughs> anyway, that's not the point. The the. The point is, is that I think I may have found a contender for worst alcohol in the world. Oh, yeah? What's that? Uh, my wife is uh, part Chinese, and um, we threw a Chinese New Year party last year. Uh, her grandmother uh, was it was Chinese. So we, we did that in honor of her, and um, ugh, we found the spirit from China. Oh, yes, gross. Oh, yeah? <laughs> that stuff was nasty. Everybody took one shot in honor. Here, here. See ya. Slammed it down. Haven't touched a bottle since. Oh, oh my God. I just remembered another one. That Indian stuff. Uh, John Pond. Oh my God. That's like all like perfume. It's like literally drinking a bottle of perfume. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Ugh. Gross. Oh man. There are some just delightfully god awful liquors out there, aren't they? Yeah, there are. Uh, There's also some brilliant <clears throat> ones like Bib and Tucker. Mm hmm. So in a few weeks, um, I'm actually uh, programming note. In a few weeks, we're not going to do the show. Normally, we do it on Monday, have it released by Tuesday. We're going to do a show probably on um, probably on a Friday because I'm going to actually be in the Windy City for five days. And I plan on personally visiting Jepson's Malort. I will be taking pictures for the DU uh, football show. And every time I do an old-style beer and a shot of uh, Malort, I'll be sure to post it for everybody because I will do it proudly. And when I get to, uh, if if there are any Chicago listeners, please reach out. Let me know where the uh, Everton Bar is in the Windy City, and I would love to come watch a game. 
Yeah, um, we're going to have to talk about the schedule for recording because, again, admin's not our strong suit, and it's the first time hearing of this. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> we're going to have to figure this out. Well, no, listening isn't your strong suit because I've told you this before, but that's okay. <laughs> I still love you anyway, Sammy. Sorry, I, I truly indulge in our day drinking uh, mantra. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I probably just forgot. <laughs> anyway, um, no, seriously, everybody get in touch and make sure you tag yourself. Use the hashtag DUFootballShow. On Twitter and Instagram when you're posting a photo of yourself drinking, watching your game. You know, come on. We're all in this together. We'd love to see him. So, um, going Promise on. Promise we'll retweet. Absolutely. You know, let's come on. So, uh, going into the rest of the three games that we need to talk about since we've spent the entire time talking about this last one and just rambling confusingly. Um, Chelsea 2, Bournemouth 0. We've already kind of talked a little bit about how the train keeps rolling there. So, I'm just going to throw one question at you. Really no need to recap the game. All right. Um, my question to you is, how will Chelsea fare against the bigger clubs? Now, we already know how they did against Arsenal, but how is this Chelsea team going to do against City, do against Spurs, do against United, uh, we do against already, Liverpool? I mean, they've, they've adopted the tactics, you know, again, like I said, a little bit faster. But if, it's, if they start off trying to play that slow kind of crap they did in the Community Shield, that's trouble. They need to start flying like they have been. Um, Jorginho is starting to figure, uh, find his feet and figure out how to play with the rest of this midfield. Hazard's fully fit. Um, I think they're going to give everybody a stern test. I do think City will romp them. Um, it, romp is not always involving the score necessarily. I think City will probably win 2-1, but a very comfortable 2-1 when they come up against one another. Yeah, you, um, have, you have a game where it's, you know, City scores early and then scores early in the second half and then Chelsea scores right at the end and and City packs it in a little yeah and where the scoreline looks like it was a really close game you go no until the 80th minute it was domination by City absolutely yeah. right and that's I, I think one of the intricacies that people overlook with soccer thank you um, it, 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 it was tough coming out because I've been drinking um, but I, I didn't think, know you had Invisalign you know intricacies yeah, yeah. I got jacked up teeth like the English. What can I say? Um, so I, I, I think people, the thing that they don't realize about soccer is a two to one game could be a complete blowout. And a four to one game could be a lot closer than you think. Yeah. Simply, it's the luck of the draw. I mean, look at the, the city draw against Wolves a couple of weeks ago. It was city hit the post three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Rui Patricio with a, a brilliant save on top of that. So really, if that's a quarter inch in a different direction, you're talking about four one five one now. Uh, another, and another, it's a very different story. Another great example: the World Cup final. Yeah, Croatia yeah. was the better team that day. Exactly. They yeah, really absolutely. were. Croatia was you're, absolutely the better 100% team. Right. Oh. You're 100 percent right. I do want to say though, mm-hmm. in in regards to Chelsea, that um, Bournemouth did have some chances. And they're a decent side. They're not great, but they're a decent side. And a better footballing team might be able to capitalize on those chances that Bournemouth wasted. Callum Wilson's come to mind. Um, yeah. Didn't even put it on frame. You'd expect him to test the goalkeeper. But um, he I didn't think... have five defenders to beat. Right. That's now the standard in which we rate him by. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I mean, granted, it's five West Ham defenders, which is equal to one normal defender. <laughs> yeah, which is equal to me. Let's, <laughs> let's start there. I could be back there and do better than that. I might see three games for it after being sent off, but I'd do better than that. 
the my point is is that against City, against United, against you know Arsenal, after we've adopted the philosophy fully and come up against them uh, uh, in the spring, you might see Chelsea concede a few goals that they haven't yet, um, because they are a little bit soft at the core, I think. Um, Rudiger's kind of goofy looking. I don't know that he has the mechanics, and David Luiz sometimes falls asleep. Um, so next match, unfortunate again for Newcastle, they find themselves on the end of a two to one defeat to get another quote unquote top end club uh, losing to City. Not quote unquote. They they are firmly a top end club now. Um, Newcastle did really well. Let's start there. They, yes, they conceded after six and a half minutes or so, but they were resilient. They were strong in the tackle. They did everything right uh, from their perspective for essentially the entire first half, except for the goal they allowed in. Um, it was a lot closer, again, than people think. Salomon Rondon did brilliantly to hold the ball up and find DeAndre Yedlin, uh, which was the first time an American had scored in the Premier League in three or four years. Four years, I think. Was um, it, uh, Jeff Cameron. Cameron. Oh, Cameron. Okay, was, was the last one. And then, um, of course, for those of you guys who don't know, um, Clint Dempsey played for Fulham for many years, mm-hmm. also played for Tottenham yeah. Hotspur, and uh, Landon Donovan mm-hmm. did a couple of loan spells with, uh, with Everton, uh, Everton as well. Yep. And then Jeff Cam- Cameron with uh, Stoke, Stoke City. Yeah, and- he scored a header uh, a few years back off a corner, but that was the last time an American had scored mm-hmm. in the top flight. It was pretty straightforward for City. I mean, they dominated possession. They did give up a couple of chances. But nothing really of note except for the goal. Um, City really dominated possession, dominated, you know, everything. Every aspect of the pitch, they were on top. Um, and and Newcastle just really didn't have a reply. Although, uh, Lascelles was restored to the lineup, played very well, played admirably at the back, led the team uh, well. I still don't know where John Joe Shelby is. Um and why he's being kept out of the team, but this game screamed out for him. Rondon was willing to do the work, and the winger and uh, Yedlin on the right side were willing to get forward yeah. and play um, and and really try to break City down, and it just screamed out for Shelby, you know, putting a through ball in. It's by far their best passer of the ball is, is John Joe Shelby. Uh, I like how the benching and then subsequent starting, like, problem squashed. It was just... Yeah. One week. Didn't work. I mean, it's it, hey. you You have a professional coach in Rafa Benitez yep. coaching. That. The man's coached Liverpool. He's coached Real Madrid. Madrid. Yeah. Like, the man's – he's not going to let Chelsea. some – He coached Chelsea. Yeah, he's not going to let some little backroom gossip stuff. He's not yeah. going to let it happen. It's and Lascelles is still young, 23 or 24 or something like that. So, you know, he was named captain, uh, captain after their championship season a couple years ago where he um, – excuse me, where he uh, called out some senior pros for not working hard. Yeah. And he was 22. And Rafa Benitez was like, you're my captain. Well, you know, may have been a little bit of a whirlwind getting to the point where he was. And then it was time to, you know, this was his shit my pants moment. And now he's, you know, realized that, okay, I got to act a certain way. So, uh, Rondon. Oh, how about Kyle Walker's goal? (sighs) Oh, it was a good call. Arrowed. Oh, it was... <laughs> oh, That's um, brilliant. 
That was so, like Leonidas throwing that spear in 300 when it hit the uh, Persian dude in the face. Yeah, it oh, ripped off the, yeah, yeah. the nose ring. Yeah, it was just perfect. Absolutely brilliant. Couldn't beat that. Xerxes was his name, yes. not Persian guy. It was yes. Xerxes. Okay, sorry. No. Don't mind me. Um, <laughs> the uh, Rondon, the Venezuelan star, yeah. do you think he's finally found a home? I think at Newcastle with the tribal sense that they have around the club they don't even care necessarily i mean obviously everybody wants a football team to win but newcastle with the owner they have and some of the players that have come through there in the last few years um almost decade really uh not necessarily giving all for the club you know they want a team that tries hard gives everything on the field gives everything for the shirt and as long as you do that, they'll never turn on you. A, and Rondon is an, a, a player that has no problem doing the thankless work up front. It's it's a blue-collar city. It's a blue-collar team. If you have a blue-collar attitude and you do the hard work, you'll be beloved yeah, in absolutely. Newcastle. Absolutely. Oh. Hey, how about this? It's the fifth game, and I haven't had to talk about Jose Mourinho till First. now, <laughs> only to mention... His team won the game. Manchester United wins 2-0 over Burnley. By the way, Mr. Graham, called it. You called a tie. I called a 2-0. Man, you win all the way. Are you just going to bow down at me now and understand that I I know how to pick games and you don't? I had one correct score this round as well, so I'm not worried about it. I'm not, it's early going. That's like everybody saying West Ham's going to get relegated right now. Not, you know, you don't know that. It's four games in. We're four weeks in. I will come back. I will end the season with more wins than you will. I'm laying it down right now. And you will do one of them chug challenges with Jepson's Malort. <laughs> Just kidding. You'll probably die. And don't when, do that. And, <laughs> and, and, and when I, uh, I'll, you know what? I'm putting it down right now. Uh-oh. Five shots of Malort in one show at the end of the year when we recap and we pull out our predictions to the loser of our challenges. You have to do five shots in the show. I am all in. I'll do it. Did you actually like that shit? Mm-hmm. Come on. Five. Five. I'll, I'll agree to three. Split the difference four. Fine, fine. Yes. Oh, I'm gonna so enjoy. But you better get you one. Of, you better shots. get one of them big jugs of Deer Park. Oh, I'm gonna, gonna love it. watching you do four shots. All right, we need to get back um, to the football. So, yes, Manchester United. Very simple, easy win. Not anything too really dramatic, other than Rashford with the red card. Which I just want to ask it right off the jump. Do you think players? are going to realize that if you push your head against another man's head, you're going to get a red card for it. And do you think that defenders are going to start kind of over-exaggerating it to get more red cards? Because now it's two weeks in a row that it's happened, two red cards. Again, to Phil Barsley's credit, much like Adam Smith, all he did was turn around and point to his forehead. Mm -hmm. Did not go down, roll around, do any of that crap. Um, He's a, a... you know, a wily old player roped Rashford into it. Still a young guy, Rashford, even though he's been there for a couple of years now. Um, just had the trailing leg catch him right after they went out of bounds off of uh, Phil Barsley put in a sliding challenge. 
just caught Rashford, you know, cheeky little little kick uh, at the end of it, send him tumbling into the advertisement uh, hoardings there on the side. Rashford got up, expressed his displeasure. Phil Barsley, in his magnificent neck and forehead veins, stood up strong to him because that's one man that if I met him in a pub and, you know, had a gripe, I'd probably just walk to my car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Rashford, credit to him, put his head straight in. It was like, listen, you, you don't do that, you know, with a few choice words added in. And, um, yeah, he got he got sent his marching orders, and it was dumb. But, again, a young player, and I think he's going to figure it out. Uh, if you're going to see three, might as well see six, and just straight up give him a good solid headbutt. Yeah. The other thing with, with Burnley, they, they still did have, you know, they created a little bit. But they, you know, without uh, Sam Vokes and um, Ashley Barnes uh, in the lineup, they, they really didn't have anything going forward of note. Uh, even with, you know, the extra man, they really didn't create a ton. Uh, and that's going to be worrying. But now they are out of the Europa League. Yes. So they'll be fine. Um, I think they're going to start to figure it out. They have a good rest now during midweek. Um, and they'll be able to play. It won't be an issue. Joe Hart um, even came out and said, uh, yeah, we're tired. Yeah. <laughs> we're really, really tired. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty routine. Um, Lukaku, again, uh, much like Firmino did, peeling off the back of the defender. Great header. Uh, and then um, the second one was a little bit unlucky. You could see that Burnley was at sixes and sevens anytime United got around the box. Uh, just kind of diving in and putting in rash tackles. One pass happened to deflect. Land right at Lukaku's feet, sorted his feet out quickly, and was able to fire home. Not every goal that a top goal scorer scores is pretty. They call him yeah. I mean, goals we for we a spoke reason. about that the first week of the season with Richarlison, with you. It just you'd like to see them score different types of goals. You don't want them pegged at like, for instance, Von Nistelrooy scored an odd goal from outside the area uh, for United, but most of his goals he was a poacher. That's what he did. Period. There wasn't a lot else going. Um, you want to see your striker score different types of goals just as a more rounded player. Just you want him to sniff blood at every opportunity. And Lukaku does it. I mean, that's, you know, he did, he did exactly what his job was. Name assassin about to strike again because I know I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, played for United, um, then played for Fulham. Berbatech? Berbatov. Berbatov, that was it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Dimitar Berbatov. That's all that man did was score the most ugliest goals ever. Yeah. And then it was score another, it was really another 15, a, 15 a year. And they would be like, how yeah. the hell did that man I, score? Again, 15 there was goals? an occasion. I remember he had a, an overhead kick for United. And then he had one or two outside the box, maybe from a free kick. You know, the consummate can score any goal was Wayne Rooney. Yeah. Yeah, he was inside the box, random stuff. He had the overhead kick from outside the box. Uh, against City, yeah, he had the you know free kicks. He had penalties. He had he scored every type of goal you can imagine. Um, and for being you know basically a little English bulldog, he scored a fair amount of headers as well. Absolutely did. So um, we'll wrap up Man U with this very simple. Um, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, Pogba's penalty taking abilities. Um, he went slow again. I don't he know did what that, that little was. slow thing and put up a sitter. I mean. It was not I, a good I, penalty. I could have <laughs> saved that penalty. Yeah, that was not good. 
And, that was uh, terrible. I am a, a gentleman of larger carriage, shall we say. So I'm not as fast as <laughs> I used so to be. It's so bad. <laughs> it was such a bad penalty shot. Uh, I, I mean, there's nothing else to say about it. I don't, you tossed it to me like I'm supposed to carry this football for a while. There's, it was horrendous. I just, I just felt very happy. Bad about on him. He should be, it. he should be ashamed of himself. The minute that penalty came up, I was like, you should let Rom take it. He's sitting on a hat trick. Let him, let him go for the hat trick. It's like, nope. Pogba walking up. Him and his uh, arrogant ass just goes, I got this. Let me take twenty mini steps and put away a really crappy penalty. Yeah. It's not good. Sammy, in our weekly installment of Oh, So That Happened. Yeah. Everton Huddersfield in a god awfully, terribly boring 1 1 draw. Uh, it, it was fairly boring, but you all had chances you squandered. Um, there was a few wasted opportunities, but Huddersfield again continued their chippy style of play, uh, did all that, and you really left a lot of chances begging. Um, you conceded a goal to the second worst team in the league. Uh, again with the zonal marking. I don't know why you keep doing this. Same as uh, was it Tottenham. Tottenham did Tottenham's their goals goal. were zonal yeah. marking. It's I don't know why anybody still plays the system. The it's World ridiculous. Cup was zonal marking for for crying out loud. Two in every five goals in the World Cup came from set plays from people doing this quote unquote zonal marking. Like it's horrible. Oh, I'm just going to cover this space. No. Get a man, get right on the man, because everybody's afraid that a penalty kick's going to be called. Right, exactly. That's flash, exactly what it the is. The refs aren't calling those penalties. Yeah. If the attacker puts a hand on a defender, they're not going to call it nope. when the defender puts the hand back on him. You're and absolutely Every you're attacker absolutely right. walks right up to the defender. The first thing they do, they put their hand on their chest. Yep. And the ref goes, "Well, I'm not calling anything on that guy." Yeah. <laughs> so the the other thing though is you you do have to love the character. Uh, of Calvert-Lewin to step up and then equalize, what, 120 seconds later? Uh, right away. Uh, three goals this week out of him. He got two in the uh, League Cup game oh, against there you go. Uh, Rotherton. Oh. Uh, yeah, Rotherton. We yeah. finished too high in the league last year. We're not playing yet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sorry. You play in the next round. I yeah. know that. We, we don't get invited in until the third round. Thank you very much. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're still ahead of you on the table on goal differential. Yeah, I just want to remind you of that. For now. We play each other in a couple weeks. Yeah, and you'll lose three points. <laughs> uh, anyway, but no, that was a, a, a great show of character from the young man um, to come up and do that. Again, a bullet header uh, was brilliant. And then after that, the rest of the match was played out as it began. Yeah. Crappy, chippy, nothing really got going, and chances were left begging uh, left and right from, from you guys mainly. Huddersfield didn't have a ton of chances, although Pickford did make one great save. Yeah. Uh, you you expect that from Pickford? I'm I'm going to keep it rolling. Just really simply put, um, Silva's going with all of the younger players now. Silva picked up a knock. I mean, I'm sorry, not Silva. Bernardo picked up a knock. Yeah. Um, during the middle of the week, so I think he would have probably played. But you saw Lookman, you saw Lewin, and outside of Lewin's goal, and then he had one other attempt on goal. He didn't really offer much, and then Lookman had kind of one opportunity. And, you know, Davies, some people, I've heard a lot of people call it Davis, but it's spelled Davies. So we're going to call him Tom Davies because we like him. And it, it just these these younger. Like him, so we're going to get his name wrong. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the one who told you we were getting the name wrong. The name assassin actually called you out on that on a personal call. You know, he little behind the curtain in our pre-show, pre-show yes. meeting, uh -huh. you know. Yeah. But 
But um, is some of these guys, it looks like Marco's giving them every chance to kind of fail. And I think we're going to start seeing the new signings get time. Um, Lucas Ding did get the assist, but he also made some mistakes defensively. And you saw Leighton Baines come back in later because they really had no one outside of Sigurdsson who could take set pieces. Yeah. And then they subbed out Sigurdsson and they didn't have anybody to do set pieces. Yeah, it was... It was, again, it was a very odd game. I don't really know what to say about it. There was there were so many chances that you had. Actually, you know what? D- don't. We got to move on. You know what? I gave Huddersfield and Cardiff City absolutely nothing last week because right. it was a shit game. It was a shit game, and we're going to move on from it. Um, you know what? Wolves, Wolves, West Ham, the the bottom of the table, winless West Ham. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there now, people. That's my dark horse. Like, that's my team that I thought was going to do really, really well this year and surprise everybody. And they're at the bottom of the table. It looks like they're finally going to eke out a point. Just something like just a gutsy nil-nil draw. And nope, stoppage time. Give up a goal. Lose one nothing. Again, West Ham did, however. I'll start off by giving them a touch of credit. They look like they showed up to try and play. They had a few chances, and Rui Patricio, with his face, you know, did the Dikembe Mutombo finger yeah. to Arnautovic. I mean, yeah, absolutely. At that Not point, in with, here, no, no, yeah, no, no, no. With him bearing down on goal like that, one on one, the goalkeeper's job at that point, and you would know this obviously, is just to make yourself as big as you can, right? Absolutely, get wide. Anything you can do, get low, get wide. Very hard to knock it over a six foot, you know, human being at that point, uh, being that close to him. And he couldn't because it hit him right in the face. Uh, Patricio also had a uh, another delightful save early in the game as well. Nice little dive to his right that he just kind of got an arm up underneath her and yes. just put it just over yes. the post. Yeah. Oh, he, he definitely had a couple of good saves. And it just, like I said, it seemed like West Ham was finally starting to play. To, yeah. Right. And, and then. As West Ham tends to do, in stoppage time, Carlos Sanchez receives a throw-in, takes five touches in the span of eight seconds as a Wolves player is bearing down on him. Loses the ball. Two touches later, Traore has it, screaming down the right side, clean in on goal, and rifles, absolutely rifles, a shot that probably almost split the net. You know what's past Fabianski. What's funny about Traore is he is he's he's fast and he's direct. And it works. That's all it did. <laughs> it, yeah. it works. There was he no is fancy. a one trick pony. Yeah. You know exactly it is head down fast as you can right at the goal. Yep. And if you put him in as a sub late in the game, like people are not ready for that guy. No, not at all. And that's exactly what happened. They put him in as a sub in the 80th minute or whatever it was. Ten minutes later, goal. So, um, leading into again how I am a god at calling games, um, you were pretty convinced that Fulham was going to win easily. I said Fulham likes to give up goals. Brighton-Fulham, 2-2, as I called it. Yeah, you're really lubing up that uh, pretty bold head of yours. Yeah, right I am. There. Mm-hmm. A few weeks from now, a few results are going to slide right off of it, and you're going to find yourself either tied with me or behind me. Just watch. You enjoy four shots of Merlot. 
Merlot? Yeah. <laughs> Am I drinking Merlot now? Am I taking shots of shots of wine in the hood? God, I was God. Merlot. God, I was hoping you didn't catch that one. Beautifully done, sir. Touche. <laughs> anyway, Brighton Fulham, two two. Um, again, another very weird game. There was a few opportunities. Uh, I just want to say, really, Glenn Murray, what? Uh, all of the action was packed into like two 10 minute spans. Pretty <laughs> really. much. Yeah. It was a difficult game, but Glenn Murray, again, just a very wily operator, um, with a brilliant turn, gets taken down for the first penalty. And then Pascal Gross proceeds to, hey, I'm, I'm going to kick it there. That's where I'm going to kick it, right over there. And then the Fulham keeper saved it. Big yeah. surprise. <laughs> That's, um, that's twice from him, right? He scored one, he's missed two, right? He scored one, scored one, missed one. Oh, okay. Because the so the second penalty, which Mitrovic was very unlucky to give up, um, ball got deflected very high in the air. It just happened to be inside the 18-yard box where the shade of the stand, the stadium seats, the stand, um, met the light on the pitch. So I think it was hard for him to track the ball. And he was trying to chest it wide. There wasn't really even a player around him. And it just happened to fall on his arm. No reason to use his arm. I don't think it was intentional. No, either. no, no, not at all. I mean, he made the shape of somebody trying to chest it down. And it was unfortunate. Uh, but he gained an advantage by the use of his arm. It was so a handball. Oh, I mean, you, have you, to, you, you call it. It's yeah. just an unfortunate You have handball, to call it, right. Call it. And this time, Glenn Murray steps up to take the penalty. Buries it. Mm-hmm. Um, after scoring, you know, the, the, uh, the opening Brighton goal. So, um, good from him. Just wily, wily old school, wily old school defender. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, attacker. Don't mind me. I'm yeah. all over the place tonight. I've been drinking a lot more than Sam has so far. <laughs> That's true. Um, final of so. Oh, that happened. We find Southampton getting a big win, two 0 over uh, Palace. Apparently. No Saha, no Palace. Yeah, I mean, I I said it before uh, last week, I believe, when we talked about Eden Hazard's meaning to Chelsea. Zaha means even more to Crystal Palace. No Zaha, nothing going forward, because Benteke, his confidence is shot. There's <laughs> nothing that man can do to put the ball in the back of the net, apparently. And he had a couple of cracks again, too. It just, yep. he is... He is a shell of a former self, man. He is really having a hard time with it. Yeah, it's it's he's had a rough go of it last couple of years. So we've been pumping up Palace, just saying, hey, they're doing the right things, they're playing well, but they're not in a good spot. At what point in time do you look at a team like Palace and go, you need to start getting results? I mean, you got to gut out a couple of ties here, and frankly, a team like Southampton who has a hard time scoring goals beat you two 0 That's that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you've you got to also, one of those first four games has been against Liverpool, um, so that you always expect to lose, you know, in terms of a manager earmarking dates on the calendar, we could pick up points here, we could pick up points here, you know, this would have been one of those games, this is a much bigger disappointment, um, but, you know, the one of the other three games that was had was Powerhouse uh, Watford. What? <laughs> All right, I'm starting to think that you are a, a hornet. Oh God, no! They might play. Uh, 
Z cars for their opening theme like Everton does, but I am a toffee true and true, my fan. My fan? Yes, you are my fan. Mate, you are my fan. This is comedy gold. You, Mel, you're recording this, right? This is brilliant. <laughs> I'm a toffee, my fan. Oh, so good. That's definitely the show title. That saves us 10 minutes after, so I can go to bed. Um, um, well, Sam, I'm going to throw one question at you, and we'll, uh, we'll finish it up, is... You can't win the league in September and August, but you sure as hell can dig yourself a big enough hole. Do you think teams like West Ham and Palace and Burnley are digging themselves that really huge hole right now that they're not going to be able to get out of? So talk to me in October, uh, really, because Manuel Pellegrini at West Ham, for instance, is a Premier League winner with City. And sure, he had his ups and downs here and there, but for the most part, they were a machine then. He knows what he's doing. He's going to figure it out. He's a smart enough man to know that these players have now proven they cannot play that system. He's going to have to change things up. I think he'll figure it out. And they spent so much money, the owners of West Ham, on him, on these players that they brought in. Damn near $100 million. They're going to give him time. But if it doesn't improve by Christmas... I think he's going to be, you know, come mid-November or so, he'll be in the hot seat quick. Um, And what about uh, Palace and Burnley? Do you think they can get themselves out of their hole? Palace, it all depends on if Zaha stays fit. <clears throat> you know, if Zaha stays fit, then no, they'll be fine because they'll pick up those wins against the teams they should pick up those wins. Um, Roy Hodgson's a, a, a good manager. He organizes well, and we saw at the end of last season, Palace had a fairly staunch defense. Um, but without Zaha, they have nothing going forward for real, even with Andrews Townsend. So we're going to have to just kind of wait on them also, but I don't think Roy Hodgson's going to get the sack. I and, really don't. And uh, Burnley, uh, Sean Dyche's team, um, now that they're out of Europe, do you think they just kind of disregard the FA Cup and the League Cup and just kind of go, let's just focus on being well, they're gonna have to. Yeah, they're going to have to. And I think Sean Dyche knows enough that, you know, staying in the division to a team like Burnley means everything. Well, the TV money, the, you know, everything else that comes along with being a Premier League club. I think he's established them, but he was still way too thin to balance a Europa League campaign. Also, they finished in the qualifying uh, place, so they had to start playing in you know late July, early August. It, yep. You know, so they came back before any team. They've now played you know eight nine games already um, at this stage, where everybody else has only played five. That's what happened well, to four. Uh, that's what happened and to Everton last up. year was start playing games yeah. in late July, early August, and that really takes a toll on you yeah, very quickly. It absolutely does. And, and the travel. I mean, they got drawn against, um, you know, the Greek team in the last round that put them out. And then before that, I think it was a Turkish team. Yeah, it was a Turkish team. So they've had a ton of travel on a Thursday. You know, they arrive back in England on a, on a, on a uh, Friday and then have to turn around 24 hours later and play Sunday. And and they're in the Mediterranean, which is going to be a little bit hotter, too. Bit so it's definitely, yeah, definitely tough on them. Yep. It, it's, you know. I think it's too early to say, really, who's going to be in the hot seat, per se. But a couple of these teams do need to worry. I just don't think it's the four you mentioned. 
Absolutely. Three you mentioned. There you go. You screw up too. That's on yeah. you, gangster. Once. Once. Oh. Sammy, the Gunners have won two in a row. You're on a high wave right now. Everything's uh, going great. But I forget. This ain't the Beach Boys. You're 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 a gunner. You're gonna find something wrong with everything. Although I would like it noted, I said, hey, Sam, do you think your defense is going to have troubles with Cardiff City? You're like, oh, no, no, they won't. And they scored their first two goals of the season. We didn't have trouble with Cardiff City. We had trouble with ourselves. <laughs> we gave the ball away for both of their goals, essentially. Oh, by the way, hold on one, one second. Everybody, Arsenal 3, Cardiff City 2. Sam, yeah. start bitching. Yeah, it's uh, Moaning Monday is what this is turning into, isn't it? Um, our defense, we're... <laughs> Arsenal's very top-heavy. We have some of the most brilliant attacking players in the world. Henrik Mkhitaryan, Mesut Ozil, Aaron Ramsey, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Alexandre Lacazette. We have everybody going forward that we could ever want. I took French pump, in college. I took French in college. No, no, no. Pump the brakes on Ozil. On his day, on his day, on his day, he's the best number 10 in the world when he feels like it once a month. <laughs> um, my point is, is that we're we're very top heavy. And I think, you know, players like Santi Gazorla, um, even before him in what we've been longing for since he left, Patrick Vieira, uh, those sorts of players really covered up some of the defensive frailties, even that Patrick Vieira did have a good back line behind him, but that's besides the point. Um, Cazorla, Gibraltar Silva, uh, a lot of these players that for us played a little bit deeper um, protected that back line a little bit better. And we've just gotten seems softer and softer and softer and softer over the years at the back. And it showed again. And now with this, we want to play out of the back with players that can be helter-skelter anyway is not boding well um, for for us at the moment. And, yeah, we gifted them two goals. I mean, that's essentially what it was. Um, we did everything we could to gift them two goals. Petr Cech uh, gave a Cardiff player the ball inside the box. Granted, that didn't result in the goal. That player, you know, tag a tag a wood, y'all. And chipped it <laughs> right over the bar for whatever reason. So say still um, not as bad as uh, Ali McBeal from uh, Liverpool. It was on the same level. Well, it didn't result in a goal, so no, it wasn't on the same level. <laughs> exactly. But it it was just as bad as a, a, of a mistake. Yeah. Um, but then we play brilliant football. Lacazette with a deft little touch finds Aubameyang on the end. Finds a bomb hang on, on the uh, edge of the box. And um, apparently my uh, terms make our producer laugh. And she put me off there. I apologize. Oh, she loved death and, touch. <laughs> I, think, I think that might be the show title killer. <laughs> so it was a, a, a deaf little touch. Uh, uh, little flick there. Uh, to find a bomb yang at the edge of the box. Power, accuracy, everything you want to strike from the, the guy leading the line. It was brilliant. Um, and then Lacazette himself finding, you know, a, a great turn, a good strength, good balance, hold the defender off, and rifling a shot uh, into the back of the net uh, for for uh, Arsenal's third. Um, throw one question at you, and then we got to keep it rolling. 
is the Uruguayan Terrera. Is yeah, it the, is it is it time for him to just start and play in front of that defense? Yeah, it's four games late. When he's out there, he makes an impact. He completely changes the game in the positive that allows the, as you say, the really front loaded team yep. to go be creative. Yeah. Don't you think it's time to just let a hard nosed Absolutely. Take no S kind of defender. Yeah, just, I, I, I mean, thought, I thought defensive that, midfielder, do his thing. Yeah, I thought that when we discussed doing a uh, preseason show and decided against it, I thought it was time for Torreira to start. Um, <laughs> he needs to be on the field. Genduzzi's doing well. I, I do like the kid. I think he needs to play. The problem is, is neither Torreira nor Genduzzi are that kind of shuttling midfielder, that pivot midfielder, mm-hmm. which is the... Literally the only one thing that Jaka does well, he can't defend, he can't pick a long pass, he's that five yards to open you up, that, that you know, deaf little touch <laughs> in so, midfield to find a player streaking out wide or to, that's the only thing he does well. He's been playing shit this whole season. I don't like Granite Jaka. I can't stand, he needs to be dropped. But he's going to keep playing. He's going to keep playing. He fits. He fits the problem what is Emery wants to the, do. The problem is is Ganduzi and Torreira together is too defensive. Right. Oh, it's going to be one or the so, other. And I think I think the I, guy who's going to lose out is the kid. I, I think, think that Torreira yeah, needs to play. I think they're going to and and it changed again when Torreira came on at halftime. Now it, he came on at halftime again against the worst team in the league, but he came on at halftime for Jaka. And they did, um, they did play well after that, but it's the worst team in the league. I mean, you wonder, maybe next week against Newcastle, you start Genduzi and Torreira, and you see what they do together. And then you can sub him off for Xhaka, yeah, Genduzi. You can take him off for Xhaka and see what happens. Well, but, we'll get to that in just a second. Now it's time to show you what very little we know it is prediction time, although one of us knows more than the other. So this week, though, well, this past weekend, uh, one Mr. Graham went five and five, while one Mr. Houston went seven and three, including calling two games. All right, I called per- one. We're, we're not worried about details. We're worried about my details. Right. Two, De- two, at the end of the season. I called two right. right. And um, which brings Mr. Graham up to 16 and 14 for the season and brings me up to 19 and 11, which is three games better than you. How do you feel about that? Tell me your real feelings. Fine. Comfortable. Mm-hmm. I think Comfortable. I, we got 34 weeks left, mate. I'm I good. Think, I think it hurts you deep down inside. Yeah. And I think you're already thinking about the four shots of Malort. I think you're thinking about no, it I'm already. Not. I'm thinking about my bladder because I've had a lot of whiskey and I need to go to the bathroom. All right, so the uh, predictions, we're actually doing it a week um, a week early. Next week is the international break. That's when everybody goes and plays for their respective countries. Uh, that Not will everybody. happen. Those that are lucky enough to be called up. <laughs> True. Hopefully but Granite Chaka gets left at home. There are... Um, this will happen multiple times throughout the uh, throughout the year. So when we say international break, that's what we're talking about. Uh, each one of the international breaks, though, we're going to keep doing shows. We're just going to do other fun stuff about the league. Yeah, which... I'll mention I'll mention more about it in the closing remarks. Exactly um, for everybody. So starting off with the early game, we actually have a battle of two heavy hitters. We got Liverpool traveling to Tottenham. Got to tell you, very simply, 
international break will hurt the Spurs. Liverpool wins 3-1 to one in a statement game. All right, I've got 2-1 to Liverpool. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there's still a few players that have to do a bit of traveling for Liverpool as well. Um, a lot of the English talent at Tottenham gets to stay fairly close to home uh, for their match. So it's, it's an extra game and it's not resting. No, I, I understand that. I'm, I'm with you. I just, you know, they don't have to go to a different time zone, I don't believe. Yeah. I think England's and, at home. And inevitably, somebody gets hurt. This happens constantly in the international Yeah, I did, you know, a it might finally come to goes fruition. down in a friendly match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. Um, but I, I, just, I have it two to one. I, I don't think Mo Salah wakes up this week. Uh, I think Tottenham has enough quality at the back, and I think Hugo Lloris being injured this week will have two weeks to relax, get healthy. I think he comes back much better than Michelle Vaughn. Um, you know, unfortunately for Tottenham, they have a, a, a big gap in my eyes between the two keepers. Uh, so I, I, I do agree with you on a Liverpool win. I just don't see him making a statement yet. So, I see that happening against United in a few weeks. Well, the uh, midday games have uh, Leicester traveling to the Vitality to play Bournemouth. Foxes still don't have Jamie Vardy. Cherries are amazing at home. I see a 2-1 to one win to the Cherries. I think Vardy's back for this match. Okay, could be wrong. I would have thought uh, the Carabao, suspension, the, right? The Carabao Cup counts. Oh, counts as well. Okay, Any so domestic competition counts. Still doesn't change my opinion. Uh, cherries do well at home, and I think they're going to be beat le- the, the Foxes 2-1. to one. All right, so I have a 1-1. I have already getting their goal, um, being able to stretch that back line. But I, I do see a little bit of fatigue in the Leicester back line, a little bit, you know, being at sixes and sevens again. Um I've got Callum Wilson scoring the other goal. It's it's for me. It's going to be one one, another raucous atmosphere. You know, down down on the south coast. So uh, Cardiff uh, travels to Chelsea. Very simple. Chelsea keeps the ball rolling. It's three 0 to Chelsea. I got three 0 Chelsea as well. Um, Palace heading to Huddersfield. Uh, I think the break actually helps Palace. I think they get out very simply with a one nothing win. It's going to be an ugly match, but they're going to find a way to win. So can I do a with Zaha prediction and a without Zaha prediction? Nope. No, I you can't. You do one All prediction. Right. Um, I'm going to guess that he's back for this match. Uh, 2-1 to Crystal Palace. Their back line is still prone to giving up something. Um, and I think uh, with Huddersfield scoring last week that uh, you know, against the Toffees, I think it's a good idea that they score again uh, in this match. I think it's 2-1. to one. That's cute that you think Huddersfield's actually going to get a set piece. <laughs> <laughs> so, next match finds uh, Fulham heading to Manchester City. I actually expect goals from Fulham. Problem is, is I expect a lot more from uh, Manchester City. <laughs> yeah. I see 4-2 to two for uh, City. And I, I City's defense is good, not great. And Fulham knows how to score goals. I've got 4-1 to City um, in this one. Fulham's going to try to play because that's the only thing they know how to do. They are decent at it, but they're not City's level. They're going to hit them on a break. They're going to kill them. Um, 4-1, I have Mitro getting, you know, an odd header here or there. But uh, I think Ederson deals with it. Um, But they do score. They get on the board. I'm confident in saying that. Final midday game finds your Gunners of Arsenal heading out to Newcastle at St. James Park. I expect another chippy game from the Geordies. Uh, 
gunners don't like playing chippy games. And nope. I but I still see a third straight two to one loss to a top end team. I, I see I, I definitely see Newcastle losing this one two one, but I see an ugly game that the gunners do not want to play. No. Um all of Arsenal dumb. Please don't be mad. Do it. I Do see it. a one-one draw. Yes, that is a game I would love to drop to you, sir. Salon Rondon, uh, bullying a fragile back line, uh, is the only way we come out of this. Is if Torreira starts and can break up that service, um, and I hope it happens. But I don't see it happening. I don't, you know, on two wins on the bounce, I don't see him changing the starting lineup. Now, he's already shown where Arsene Wenger was scared to change early. Arsene Wenger almost never took someone off at halftime. He's done it twice this season, uh, Unai Emery. Um, so we, we might be able to change, you know, some of our tactics at halftime. We might be able to get it done. But I, I just don't see it. It's also been, you know, a, a terrible place for us to go in recent years. Uh, I remember we were up, what was it, 3-0. Ended up drawing 4-4 to a, uh, God rest his soul, Jake Teote uh, strike, um, you know, a, f- a few years back. But um, I, I, I don't see us pulling it up. I, I don't. Gives me so much pleasure to hear you say. Yeah, I mean Newcastle's got a ton of confidence from the, the the performance they put in, you know, last couple games. The own goal against Chelsea, you can argue that Ross Barkley would have put that away, no. right? So, uh, Yedlin had to intervene uh, in that and just happened to turn into his own net. It's unlucky. If he doesn't do that, it's a one-one draw against Chelsea. And they played very well against City as well. They had the two sniffs um, really at goal. To everything else, Dubravka. And some of the others were equal to all those challenges. I just, you know, Newcastle's been on the up in terms of their performance, and we're still not consistent. So I, I could really, I honestly believe it's a one-one draw. So the final game of the day on Saturday finds Manchester uh, United heading to Watford, and while the Kings of the first five games, typically I would go ahead and just pick Watford just because they do that every season they love the first five games just to prove us wrong manchester united is going to walk in there and comfortably win two to one against uh the hornets i've got a two two draw you really i think watford's riding high um if elton john shows up again who knows what's gonna happen (laughs) i i i think the break benefits manchester united they got the win now it's, it's nothing no, it nothing to see here. Everything's okay. Don't worry about us. Yeah, but and I think they'll just walk right in and take care of it. No, I don't think they do because you have, you know, most of that starting 11 plays for their country. Most of Watford's doesn't. True. They're going to be rested. United's going to be traveling. There's, you know, a, and the way that, that that stadium's been rocking the whole season, the way that they've been playing, and the, the win they just picked up against Tottenham, this – you know, international break comes at an inopportune time for the momentum of Watford. But I think they hold on to it. I really do. I, I see a 2-2 draw. All right. So Sunday morning finds uh, only two games. The early game is Burnley traveling to Wolverhampton. Burnley no longer having to worry about Europa League. 
but they do have to worry about traveling to see Wolverhampton. I think Wolves win this easily 2-0. I got 2-1. I think they'll finally restore Ashley Barnes to the front line. He'll give Wolves some problems, but um, I think Wolves are going to have too much for him. And the atmosphere at the Molyneux has been amazing uh, in these opening you know, four games of the season. I think Wolves walks out winners, but Burnley does slowly start to figure it out. So the midday game finds West Ham traveling to Goodison to face Everton. I personally think West Ham's woes continue. Although minus Richarlson, I think Everton's going to have a hard time scoring, but I still think they find a way in a tough, ugly one nothing game. And I'm a fan, so I'm forced to watch it. I would figure it's a game nobody else should actually watch. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. Um, I see 2-1 to, uh, to Everton. I think you'll figure it out, but I do think Arnautovic will cause your backline issues. Just give up a dumb set Yeah, piece just goal. something stupid. Yeah, uh, maybe not even a set piece. Maybe, you know, just Arnautovic finds his way through, uh, especially if you're going to play the kids at the back again um, with uh, Calvert-Lewin and Michael Keane together. So I, um, I, I do see a, a 2-1 Everton win. So we have Monday night football, but it's not exactly the Monday night football we want to watch. This is kind of like um, when the Bills travel to play the Browns on Monday night football. We've got uh, Brighton traveling down to see Southampton. I got 1-1. Ugly game. Maybe another penalty to uh, to Brighton. 1-1. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be fun, but it is football on a Monday, so watch it. I'm calling the exact same score, a 1-1 draw as well. All right. So, in the latest edition of I Am Too Old for This Shit, uh, Drunkard United suffers another defeat, and the big man Sam Houston is going to talk to us about it. Yeah, and the I'm getting too old for this shit is because you were out with an injury. Again, oh. my ankle is banged up, mate. Along with three of our four primary defenders. So, um, DU opened the match brightly with a 4-0 lead at halftime. At the start of the second half, it was 4-1. to DU very quickly answers with 5-1. to And then 5-1 to became 5-2, to became 5-3. to as a coach, I called a timeout to try to stop the bleeding. It became five to four, became five to five, and with about a minute thirty left in the match, it became six to five. And uh, feel feel hard hard luck for our uh, for our keeper because he actually had an amazing match. Jake really killed it in the in the net. We just were too thin at the back and. By the way, the fourth defender, the one that actually was there, caught a cramp in the first five minutes of the match and was kind of half of himself. But you know what, Sam? We're 0-3 right now. 0-3. But 3. 3 is what you need to focus on. 3. You gave up a 4-0 lead. 3. 3 yeah. is the amount of titles Listen. I have won as a Division Listen. One manager. <laughs> You're- 3. Listen, respect. You gave up a 4 no lead. And no, I get it. No, I respect. Get it. Respect. Em- Three. Respect. <laughs> respect, I tell you. <laughs> Listen, if Jose can do it, I can do it. Three champions. Listen. Respect. I respect. Res- I respect a good job. That was not a good job. Respect. 
Three titles. <laughs> Respect. Um, I'm sorry that your, you know, emotional leader on the pitch wasn't there. You need to settle down. Respect. Hey, everybody, I know we ran a little long tonight, but this has been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for joining us. Sammy, any parting words? Perhaps admitting that I am the prognosticating genius that you wish to be? What does that mean? Prognosticating? I, I pick games better than you do. I would need... That's a Jimmy the Greek lovely, reference. Minus our, all the racism. Our lovely producer to attach a hyperlink to Wikipedia for that word, please, um, in the description of this show. Because, pro- what was it again? Pronosticating? I'm not going to say it again. It doesn't I got sound it right, right the first time. <laughs> it I'm doesn't even, sound I'm right. leaving on a high note. That I don't think that's a thing. Tell us about next week's show. Anyway, uh, my parting words have to do with next week's show, uh, which is a brief history of all 20 teams in the Premier League. Um, and then we will have an exciting feature uh, for the second half of the show of shit Sam Graham says that nobody else understands but him. Because uh, I use a lot of references, uh, a lot of terms from English football that uh, maybe a lot of Americans don't get. Um, I get a lot of looks during our show uh, from our producer, uh, Melissa, when I say things like sixes and sevens or uh, shambolic and uh, things like that. So she actually wrote down a term last episode um, that I said, uh, which was just a man's name and the position he plays. Um, yeah, Keppa the Keeper. Oh, a deaf little touch. Yeah, yeah Kep- that one. Keppa, Keppa the Keeper. Yeah, she thought that was she like... She thought it was one word. <laughs> yeah, and she also thought it was like some, you know, like German thing or something. But anyway, the point is... Um, Listen in, especially if you're a casual fan. You'll find a little bit of history about all the clubs. You'll be able to figure out uh, who you want to support, hopefully, um, and really have a dog in the race. Um, and it'll be a lot of fun. And I'll, you know, we'll explain some of the terms, and you'll, you'll be brought up to speed. It'll talk be a good time. Talk about rivalries. Talk about why yeah. there's no playoffs yeah. in the English Premier League. Yep. What the tournaments are that all of these teams play in when we talk about. Champions League, what the Europa, qualifying positions are, right. all that sort um, of stuff. Like things like the FA Cup, which is which is a tournament in that literally next week, in, next week, next week. Save some content for next week's show. It's a teaser. <laughs> literally, a beer league team can play in the FA Cup. Like Drunkard United, if they wanted to, if they were in England, could play in the FA Cup. That's if how you, great if you it is. Paid attention last year. It was basically Christos FC's run uh, here playing, in America, playing Absolutely. DC United uh, in the U.S. Open Cup, which is our version of essentially the FA Cup. If you have the ten grand to put in for your entry fee, you're in the tournament. Uh, just just like the World Series of Poker, you got yeah. ten grand, you're in. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. who the heck you are. You have money, you're in. Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining us. I know we ran a little long, but this has been an awful lot of fun tonight. For Sam Graham, this is Sam Houston. Enjoy the international break, and we'll see you next week for our EPL 101 show. We're going back to college, kids. Hey, remember, uh, we did this actually a little bit on purpose. Day after Labor Day in Maryland, kids go back to school, traffic sucks again. Now you've got a really good show to listen to on your way to work. Love y'all. Good night. Good night, everybody.
Yes. I'll, I'll do, do it live. I'll do it live! <laughs> the talent is ready. Mel, you're recording this, right? This is brilliant. <laughs>